You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Astro Backyard Podcast. It has been a long time. Why? Because the weather has been great and there's an available clear night. I'm in my backyard doing my thing and uh, I know that's probably what Trevor's doing too. Trevor, you're there, right? That's right, yeah. I don't think I've missed a clear night yet this year because uh there hasn't been many so like you said we we jump on it yeah, on the opportunity I, I don't think i said who i am if for those of you who haven't listened to us before um this is episode 23 uh, welcome my name's steve i'm from ontario telescopes and accessories and, and uh, trevor is from my yeah this is trevor jones from astrobackyard.com and the uh, astro backyard youtube channel so uh, we, we've talked about a number of things um, the past, wow, 10 months? Wow. No. Yeah, about that. We started in September last year. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's awesome. And uh, we're on episode, we're 23rd episode, which I think is a bit of a milestone. Uh, I don't think number 23 gets enough credit. Um, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, there you go. All right. So uh, we're, we're, we're celebrating... Great basketball, as well as that's clear what nights. we're doing. Yes, yes, as well as clear nights. Um, so we have a few things to talk about uh, today. Um, Trevor's got a couple of cool new toys, um, and uh, I I need the audience's help on uh, something as well. I'll bring it up a little later. Um, I'm confident that you'll get it too. Oh, I, I what the help or uh, yeah. I, oh, I'm sure I will. Um, I'll probably have, some people are probably shaking their heads once they hear what what I need. Um, and then uh, I'm going to brag a little bit about uh, alignment, but uh, we'll talk about uh, alignment and uh, different techniques. We've talked about this a bit in the past, but I've been doing some uh, experimenting, and uh, I just want to share my results. But Trevor, you have uh, two cool things that you've been playing with. Um, one is a new scope, and if anybody mm-hmm. has seen Trevor's latest video. Uh, which came out yesterday, um, which if you're listening six months from now, that was six months ago yesterday. Um, uh, it's an Explore Scientific 140 uh, F 6.5 or 6.7. 6.5? The jury's still out. 6.5, that's pretty label. Um, yep. Uh, with FPL 53 glass. You also have another cool little thing, but it's not necessarily photography related. Um, well, I guess it could be depending on how you use it, but you have um, a really cool parallelogram called a Paralite, and it it it's made by a company called Starlight Innovation. Um, it's a Canadian company, and it they make the uh, the, the Paralite, uh, some other things as well, um, and it's got a couple of really cool uses. You can use it for visual astronomy. Put a pair of big ass binoculars on it or a spotting scope or a telescope or, or if you're into a different type of hobby such as uh, birding um, mm-hmm. you could use it for that as well you can put a camera on it and uh, balance it and it'll sit there beautifully and uh, that's something else that you do isn't you know, it Trevor you, you you're a, an avid birder I, I enjoy the birds as well mostly bird photography um... Yeah, so I, um, my wife and I, it's something we do together. We go on uh, bird photography uh, trips, 
And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So it's you know my other another hobby that I probably don't need. Yeah, if, if anyone if anyone's curious curious about his other hobby, check out the birdnerds.ca. Is that correct? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. But it has to be the birdnerds.ca. That's right. And um, uh, he has a YouTube channel with that as well. Where he finds the time, I don't know. I thought I was no. pretty impressive having a couple of jobs and kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sleep, sleep is always the thing that gets sacrificed. Uh, sleep, sleep is uh, never necessary. That's just optional. That's right. Yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it. No, so. I listen to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I've seen that speech you're referring to. Yeah, he's like, what does he say? You only need six hours a night or something? Yeah, I, you know, six hours of sleep. And then, then, but Arnold, I need... I need seven. I need eight hours. Well, that's no problem. Just sleep faster. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's yeah. great. I I heard that for the first time. I think I I think I was listening to it on an airplane because you can get Wi-Fi in airplanes now, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I burst out laughing really hard and loud, <laughs> and a lot of people are probably looking around wondering what was wrong with me. And uh, that wasn't it, but. No, I'll leave them guessing. Anyways, um, so all right, Trevor, share away. What are, what are your thoughts okay. on those two things? Well, I'll start with the Starlight Innovation Paralite. Um, so that's you sell their products, right, Steve? Uh, Starlight Innovation. I do. Yep. So I, I've seen it. I know it's on your website, and you know all about this. But I had it was something that uh, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of to begin with uh, until I actually started using one and now I totally get why people are so into these things. Um, so first of all, it's all made out of wood and it's like beautiful, like birch and ash wood and it's all polished and it's so crazy lightweight. Like I've got it, the Paralyte with the tripod attached. I can carry the whole thing to any spot in my yard and then position it. So I've got like a reclining, I got a, one of those zero gravity chairs oh, and then I I put my giant uh, 15 by 70 binoculars uh, with a five pound counterweight on the other side. And so I can recline in the chair and I just pull down the binoculars. So they're at just the perfect height. So I'm like looking at the stars hands free because you know what those big binoculars, the only problem is they get really shaky uh, because of the, the high magnification. So this thing, you can have them sitting right in front of your face without touching it. And you finally get that view through the binoculars, that steady view you've you know, probably always wanted. I, I have. It was a totally surreal experience the first time I sat down with them. I was looking at M13. I was looking at the moon and Jupiter. And because it's not like looking through an eyepiece when you're looking through the binoculars, it's that 3D lost in space view. Mm -hmm. So it's, it might look like this kind of this crazy contraption, but... Once once you get it right, you realize the power that a parallelogram grants you. You really get that depth of field. Yeah. Oh, totally. Both eyes through. You get right right up close to the eyepieces and uh, block out all the stray light, and you're just lost. You, you feel like you're out there. Yeah. No, they're pretty they're pretty cool, and and they move like butter, right? Like they're so. Oh, smooth. it's effortless. Yeah. Yeah. So so with my, you know, they're. They're kind of heavy binoculars, not the heaviest things in the world, but I just used the one the one five pound counterweight that came with it, and that was the perfect amount. So I put those binoculars anywhere I want them, and it just stays. That's pretty cool. 
yeah, it's really, really cool. And it's like the craftsmanship of it too. Like I'm, I'm used to all this, you know, you know, made overseas stuff and to have this like handcrafted stuff. I feel like the older, older guys would appreciate it. Yeah. So tell me about the scope. Oh, the, the telescope. Yeah. Uh, so it's a 140 millimeter carbon fiber triplet APO uh, from Explore Scientific. So 140 millimeters, the biggest refractor I've ever used, even bigger than the 132 from William Optics. And it's a beauty. It's actually the carbon fiber. It's noticeably lighter than you think it would be for its size. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, I don't know if, if anyone happened to watch the video, you can hear my wife at the end say, you already have that scope. It's just like your other one because <laughs> it, it's exactly like my 102, but obviously just on steroids. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the look of those carbon fiber APOs. And I mean, the focuser is high quality, a three inch hexagonal. Uh, it, it's, they say it can hold 10, 10 pounds of gear. I, I probably had a pound and a half, but uh, it was just buttery smooth and locked in place. And then the dew shield, that's, that was a, an improvement I noticed that they made. So the dew shield on my 102, I used to have to put an elastic band on there because it would start to slip. This one is really, you, you twist it and it locks on and it stays like that. Yeah, my, so mine's like that too. It's, it slides a bit? No, no, no. Or it, it locks? It, 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 it holds in place. I have to give it a twist to to lower it and then when yeah, I bring it back up I give it a twist to get nice it nice and position. snug yeah yeah because yeah. you don't want that my the 102 if I didn't put that electric bin it would slowly kind of slide back down and you wouldn't even notice it it was happening over time as the, as the scope was pointed up right um yeah super impressive like it was one of those things where when I received the scope I knew it was gonna blow me away and of course it did so uh the only thing is I haven't I tried it without um, a flattener reducer. And I got away with that um, just because the object that was shooting, it was M13, was in the center of the field. So I just cropped slightly and uh, the chip size of the camera I was using didn't really expose the edges of the field. But that's something I'm gonna try next. I'm actually gonna try the one that you sell, Steve, the uh, Starfield yeah, reducer flattener. That, that should work um, work well, uh, pop it in place. and. And uh, flatten that field nicely. Get mm -hmm. pinpoint stars right across. Right, yeah. So I, I want to try. Uh, I'd love to try a full frame DSLR on it. Oh yeah, you have one now, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. I it, I just I usually use it to shoot the videos, so I'll have to swap that out and use the, you know smaller camera for that. Right. That's pretty cool. But yeah, pretty exciting. And I mean, the weather turned. It's like. It's getting a little wash and say it's getting very, very hot. Today was 30 degrees here. And, uh, no, I'm not going to complain. complain. No. Uh, so it's warm nights, which means uh, it's better better suited for a cooled camera than a DSLR um, this week anyway. Right. Good thing you have one. Good thing. Yes. So um, <laughs> this, is, this is where I need uh, some help. Um, I use Astrophotography Tool. Uh, Trevor, you, you have the same yep. software, right? Love mm -hmm. it. It's great. It does everything I need. Controls my camera. Uh, controls my focuser, my rotator, uh, my filter wheel. It's great. And uh, I like to plate solve. So I, I use I was using All Sky Plate Solver 
and for some reason I can't get it to work anymore. It'll, it'll take the image and it will sit there and then it will fail. So I switched over to the PlaneWave software, PlaneWave Plate Solve 2, downloaded the libraries, and that works really, really good. Um, but I, I really want to know why the AllSky Plate Solver isn't working. So if you use AllSky Plate Solver and you've had a similar problem where it takes the image but it doesn't uh, solve it, it, it times out, I, I, I don't think the two programs are communicating for some reason. Um, mm -hmm. And you figured out what the problem was, let me know. <laughs> I really, really want to know because it's bugging me. And, and uh, I can't seem to figure it out. Um, I know someone has the answer out there. You're going to get it because yeah. I'd be interested to know as well. Yeah, but the play, the PlaneWave software works really good. It's free also. Um, it t takes the image. It'll plate solve it, uh, sync my mount, and then I I just say go to here. Bang! It goes right there in the center of a field. It's beautiful. I I got. I was telling you I got M101 right in the center of my field. Mm -hmm. Um, and it w it was. Literally dead center, right in the center of the field. It was it was beautiful, so I, I was quite quite happy with that. You can't put a price on that, man. If anyone saw has seen me struggle to find objects without using plate solving, that's that's why you need it. I think we you saw saved that. so much. We saw saved so much time, ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was like a good. Well, it was it was a while anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, last summer I I I was out in a field. Uh, at a dark sky site, and I plate solved, and whatever object I wanted was bam, right in the center of the field every time. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's hard to go back after that. I would imagine. I I, I haven't looked through an eyepiece in a long time. Mm -hmm. So I don't even have a finder scope anymore. There you go. I don't need it. No. 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 So um, you know, talking about alignment, um, uh, I I now have that permanent setup. Um, which, which is, which is awesome and, uh, highly recommend it. If you, if you, uh, can, can pull one off, do it because at the end of the night when I'm done, <laughs> I, I turn everything off. I put my, uh, dust cover on, I hit home and, uh, well, I hit home first, turn everything off, put on a dust cover and I go to bed. So uh, I don't know what's better. The fact that you don't have to tear down in the middle of the night when you're half asleep or that when it gets dark out, you basically hit a few buttons and you're up and running. Uh, Either way, you're, you're saving like an hour on each end. Oh, yeah, that's great. Over, over me, so. Yeah, so as you go digital there, uh, I'll uh, um, just kind of touch on the startup process because everything, the, the nice thing with the permanent setup, as you're saying, not having to pull everything out, set up the cables and do your alignment, necessarily I have because um, it's perfectly polar aligned um, well I think it's pretty good um, that that's a huge advantage and, and I've been playing with a few different uh, polar alignment routines because my my mount doesn't have a polar scope in it it, it didn't come with right. it, which is fine right because I, I don't really need it because I was using a pole master and I got a really good polar alignment with that and I was quite happy with it and then I purposely went and I changed it, moved moved everything around out of whack. And the next night I used Sharp Cap, and I was quite happy with the polar alignment with that as well. It worked, worked the the Sharp Cap Pro, so you have to spend 
the extra ten pounds, which is works out to like eighteen dollars Canadian, you pay through oh. PayPal, uh, worth every penny, and um, went through the polar alignment routine with it, and uh, it, again it was bang on. But I found out something really cool. Uh, PhD has a polar alignment routine in it. It has a couple of them. One's a drift polar alignment, which I haven't played with yet, but I have been playing with the static polar alignment. And I... this is really neat because when you go through this process, it will actually control the, the mount for you, which I thought was cool. And it will, um, uh, because I pulse guide, I don't use the ST4 port. Right. Um, and that's what you use as well on the Soul 60, right? Yeah. So right. it will actually rotate the mount in RA in slight movement to take images of the star that you've told it you want to base your polar alignment off of. Um, I, ha I haven't quite figured it out yet because I, I, um, I had an issue while I was going through it. Um, not related to the software. It was just something that else that was going on around me. So I had to, had to stop. But it was yeah. working really neat, uh, working really cool. It was really neat, and um, I want to explore this more. So if you used the PhD static polar alignment, I want to know. So hit us up on the Facebook page. Tell us what you think, what your results were um, with it, and, and your thoughts. Because I thought this is really neat. Because we're, we have P everybody has PhD to guide. Mm -hmm. It's free. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. That's the craziest thing about it. PhD is 100% free. So you can get this advanced polar alignment routine using a free software that you already have yeah 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 it's pretty cool yeah so um you know it, it, it it's a little bit more complicated than the other ones by the looks of it but it, you know if it works hey why not so um if you've used it tell us we really want to know because this seems like a bit of a game changer um to uh to everybody you don't like you don't need to have any fancy equipment you already have the guide scope right so why not um, it does look like it, it, it's like I've been reading some of the forums. Looks like it's something that's ongoingly being updated and okay. tweaked, right? Nice. So you know, like I said, it might not be for everybody, but hey, it, it's still cool. So I, I, I can see it being um, a go-to for a lot of people once they have have it figured out and down packed, like for themselves. Absolutely. Yep. Right? You get it working. Why would you use anything else? Yeah. I uh, use it. Use it every night if you have to. Yeah. It's like why you, the reason why you use Canon and I use Nikon. That's right. Why would you use something that doesn't work when you can use a Canon? My Nikon works really well. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. Should we edit that out? No. Okay. No. Well, you know out. what? I think there's more Canon fans, so it should be all right. We won't oh. lose the entire audience. Nikon users unite. Give me some love. <laughs> all right. Um. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up about PhD and, and different polar alignment um, software so that, that are solutions that are out there. Um, and, uh, you know, tell us what you're using, right? It's good to see that there's more options options available than just the polar scope. Polar scopes are great. Some of them are fantastic, uh, especially the ones that, ha that are like a clock inside, like the Ioptron. Uh, I know the Takahashi ones, the... Uh, Astrophysics one um, that they all have that clock-like reticle. Very precise. Yep. Yeah, um, and then very easy. You don't you don't have to move anything. You don't have to figure out where you are, time of year, or whatever. It, it, 
in setting circles. It just, it is what it is. And, That's right. And I, I still swear by that uh, app I use on my phone. It's just called Polar Finder. Yep. And uh, so I check that. It uses my GPS to tell me where I need to put uh, position Polaris. Yep. And then you can actually set the type of reticle that you have on your scope. So I choose Ioptron, and there it is. I'm looking at the exact same one on my mount. Yep. And man, you can get it, you know, dead on. So you 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 have an Android phone, right? That's right. Right. So I have an iPhone, and I have a similar app called uh, PS Align. So Polar Scope Lines, PS Align. And okay. there's a free version and a, um, a pro version. The pro version's a couple of bucks, right? Um, and it has the same thing. It has the reticles for all kinds of different scopes. Using a GPS, it will tell you where to put that pole star. So, yeah, there's a solution for for everyone. Actually, you know what? If you have a Windows phone, mm-hmm. they have a, there's a Polar app for that, uh, Polar alignment app for that as well. Uh, put up by Astrophysics. Wow, you're I, how many Windows phones are out there? I kind of forgot about that market. Well, I've got I, I have two, three. Well, there you go. That's half the market right there. Oh. I have nothing against. I'm a PC guy, so Windows is in my good books. I there guess, you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, if anyone still uses a BlackBerry and they have a Polar Line app for that. I'd be yeah. impressed, and I want. I would be it. very impressed. Right? Yeah, you got to tell us what it is. Um, I and... used to love my BlackBerry. I had oh, a bunch Black... of Blackberries. My BlackBerry was awesome. Yeah. Right. Got to like I missed that keyboard. Yeah. That brings back memories. Well, and for our you know international listeners, the BlackBerry was a very local company. It was like. What was it like? You know, forty-five minutes away from where you live, where it was founded, and ah, so. about that, yeah. Yeah. If nobody's looking at the speedometer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I've been in the car with you before, Steve. Yeah. So, that, I know. so you're half kidding there. Yep. So, anyways, I don't know. Did you? Did, I didn't have anything else I wanted to mention, Trevor. I had the there was the alignment and the plate solving issue I had. I'm hoping people can help me out. Um, yeah, the only other thing would be the transition into like probably some of the best objects. Yeah, See, my favorite summer objects. They're coming up. Like Cygnus is right up in the air by like eleven o'clock now, so you can already start on the Crescent Nebula and. Uh, North America, I see a lot of guys already hopping into objects in there. Yeah. The Veil Nebula is coming up, so yep. it is a good time to be an astrophotographer. It is. It is. You know, I have a challenge for myself this year. What's that? And it's probably going to be next to impossible where I am. Right. Okay. But I, I want to go after uh, – let me just double check, make is sure it, I get it right. I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Okay, what is it? If it is, I've shot it from here before, uh, from my observatory's dark sky site, uh, and it's the Helix Nebula. No. Is that no, it? No. Oh, okay, because no. that's really low. No. This might be a little tough. I might have to go to a very dark sky site for it. It's a... Um, uh, oh, no. No, no. It's a mag 6.5, so I should be able to get where I am. Okay, so it's more about it's it's dim. It's not in a low area of sky. Yeah, I want it. I want to go after Cygnus X one, which is a black hole. Ooh. But there is a star that rotates around it, where, where you can actually see 
redshift because it'll appear blue and okay. over a very short period of time. And I don't know what that is off top of my offhand. I have to look it up. Right? You can image it again and it's red. And then it'll be blue again. And then he image it later on and it's red. So wow, I, that's I really bizarre. want it. I, well, what's happening is that this star is rotating around this black hole. So you're seeing the star going farther away when it's red. And when yep. it comes back closest to us, it's blue. All right. It, it's called uh, redshift. And, mm, I've, I've heard the term, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's how they measure galaxies, right? And this goes back to um, um, Edwin Hubble, right? And that's how he determined that the galaxy is expanding. And that's when he said the Andromeda Nebula is not a nebula, it's a galaxy, right? And, mm-hmm. and they can actually determine how far away galaxies are from us, from our galaxy, well, from Earth, based on redshift. They have a reference galaxy, and then they have another galaxy that they're observing, and they mm-hmm. look at the shift in the wavelength, and then there's a really... Actually, I saw a show on this. Was, I don't remember what it is, but I looked at it, and it's a really simple mathematical formula. Right? It, it's literally like grade 8, grade 9 math right? to figure out the, dif- the distance and how fast it's traveling as well. Amazing. Um, so it's pretty neat. I gotta look it up, and if I find it, I will. Um, that's I, really I interesting, and that's I definitely know. not the object I I thought you would say. I I would have never guessed that. No, well, that's cool. Helix, I'll definitely. <laughs> so for that redshift star, then you would you do a sequence, and you would show uh, a kind of a side by side. Uh, the star is blue and the star is red. Yeah, yeah. I just, don't, cool. I just don't know what the rate of rotation is because I, I think it's something that you could probably see over the course of, I'm guessing, a couple of weeks. I, right, I, okay. I don't know, right? Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, that's something that I want. That, that's my project for for the summer is is that, that star. Um, uh, you know what that reminds me of? It was, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a supernova discovered in, I believe it was M101. And it was, I think we're going back to like 2012. And I remember reading, and I had recently got into astrophotography. It was still new at the time. Oh, that, and I, was that like in the, in the winter time? It was, I think it was probably around spring if it was M101. I was like, it may have been like March or something, early, early spring, end of winter. Okay. And, I remember uh, around that time there was a supernova in M82. Maybe that was it. Yep. Either way, I, I remember reading this article while I was at work saying that they're asking anyone that imaged, say it was M81, or M, yeah, M81, to submit their pictures because they wanted to see the progress of you know when the supernova was first spotted. And I'm like, oh my God, I shot that galaxy when it started. Like, I'm going to contribute to science. And uh, but sure enough, it wasn't in any of my images. It must have happened like shortly after. Yeah, I. I but I was like, like talk about being a part of like you, I could have contributed to some like a scientific discovery in some form. Yeah. Well, just just recently, you know, um, it was I don't remember what it was, but there was a an amateur astrophotographer, an amateur astronomer who took a picture and captured a supernova. And, yeah, and got credit for it. So it happens all the time. And if this happens to you, right, there's ways to report that. Uh, I know uh, at the RESC, 
the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada's website, RASC.ca, they actually have contacts there, like lists of of, of um, organizations that you can contact with your with your discoveries if you think you you found something. And uh, um, talk uh, about a hobby with multiple levels of enjoyment yeah. and ways to to go at it. Like I could see myself way down the line just doing stuff like that getting more serious about you know taking scientific shots and contributing to astronomy so yep well you know really cool you know um uh there's a lot of pro-am stuff that is out there uh the the juno project that's ongoing now they um i know christopher go was really big into that he was promoting a lot of pro-am work it, uh, with imaging Jupiter, and you, you take your image of Jupiter, and you have to um, specify if North is up, and and uh, some other information that they they need some basics, and you would submit that to a, to an organization, and they're collecting all this data, right? And it right. it was going to help determine uh, targets to investigate for the Juno spacecraft. Right, based on the data that's coming in. So if you have hundreds or thousands of imagers of uh, oh, that's, of Jupiter, yeah. you're getting that's amazing all this data, yeah. amazing data coming in, right? That they can basically pick and choose what they want, or they can go back and say, "Well, what was it like on this day and this time?" Hold on, that's let's right. take a look at the images we have. Well, this is what it looked like. Why does it look different now? Well, let's see what a random selection of additional information they have it all so it's fantastic it's a great hobby where you can you're right you can contribute to something bigger and and that's uh, a totally different side of things like as i think at this stage i'm just you know the photographer just trying to make a pretty picture for lack of a better description but there's so much more to it than that and uh you know there'll always be something to to reach for in the future absolutely absolutely so Anyways, that's my summer target. You have a summer target? Oh, it's still it's still up in the air. I'm not sure. It's just yeah. No, I don't I don't have one yet. You'll think I, of something. I, I, I want to. I know I want to shoot the Omega Nebula again. That's the only one on my list, but that's it's it's a big and growing list. Well, that'd be interesting to see. We have a lot, especially with the equipment that you have access to now. Be interesting to see what that looks like. Totally. Yeah. That's why it's almost feels like I'm shooting everything again for the first time because I've always shot everything really wide field. So now that I can go in a little bit deeper with some of these larger refractors um, that I, I have in my possession right now, and then the RC, of course, and go, go deep as well. So Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Well, Trevor, I think we've, uh, we, we've thoroughly in, entertained our audience. And I think it's time to to get ready for tonight because where I am, it's clear. She's clear here too, on the other side of the pond. Well, not the the, the lake. The lake. <laughs> I don't want to. We're not we're not to overseas or anything. No. Lake Ontario separates me and Steve. Yep. So everyone, clear skies. Thank you for listening um, and subscribing. And if you have friends that are into the hobby as well, you know. We'd be grateful if you could recommend us to them. And uh, if you have any questions or if you can help me out with my plate-solving issue, hit us up on a Facebook page. Clear skies, everyone. Clear skies, everybody. Thanks for listening.